Welcome to the Chasing Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today. Each episode is full of heartfelt and expansive content that will really help you expand your consciousness and grow as a person. I created this podcast because I wanted to share my own personal experiences on my spiritual journey, but I also wanted to meet others and have them share what they've been through and how they've gotten to where they are today. If you haven't done so already, it would really mean a lot to me if you could rate and review the podcast. This really helps the podcast grow and reach more people, but it also allows me to get more guests on the show. Now on to today's topic. Hey guys, I am so excited to share this episode with you. I'm interviewing my friend Amanda and we actually met through mediumship development and we'll talk a little bit about that in the episode. But I'm really excited to share this episode because I think that it's really powerful and important that you see the vulnerability in both of our journeys and how fear has affected us on our paths. But also it's powerful because it helps you realize that you can cope with whatever fear you're facing. And fear is such a driving force in so many of our lives. So I hope that this episode speaks to you. I hope that you learn something from it. And you'll learn more about Amanda throughout the episode. And there's more details about how you can connect with her if you're interested in working with her in the show notes. Hey, how are you? I did not expect you to be on this early. I was just nervous. I was like, I'm just going to come on here, but we don't have to start yet. No, I'm ready. I actually uh, finished work early, so... I've just kind of been meditating and, and stuff and getting ready. And I was, I was early. So I was like, I'll go ahead and join and maybe she'll be early too. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous. So that's why I'm early. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell you're nervous. Um, I mean, I'm empathic. I'm, I know you can probably tell when people are nervous too. So, but just think of it as like one of our normal conversations, you know? Right. Yeah, and I know you've listened to some of my episodes, so you can tell some, I'm sure, where you can tell I was a lot more nervous, and it took me a little bit of time to kind of get used to, I guess, being like an interview style, but the more I just try try to treat it like a real conversation, it kind of helps the nerves a lot. You're very good at it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You ask very good questions and it's so obvious that you've done your own work because yeah. your questions are very different than the average question I get. It's got a lot more nuance to it. And it's a little bit deeper, which I really yeah. appreciate. It's really funny that you, you use that done the work because when I was meditating, I actually had um, Archangel Gabriel or Gabrielle come in and she had a message for both of us. What was it? Yeah, I wrote it down. I was, <laughs> I was like, okay. So it when that when it came through, I opened my eyes and it was 444. Oh my god, I was that's so funny because I noticed that time too. And now it's five five five. Yep. I was I've been practicing for like an hour and a half of like rehearsing like some of the topics. I, I'm just, I'm nervous. So that's what I was doing. And so I noticed the clock, four, four, four. Yep. Yeah. So this is, 
this is what she said when she came through. Um, normally when an angel comes through for me, I see wings. And so I said, okay, which angel is this? And then I just knew it was Gabrielle. And she said, I said, okay, is this message for me or for Amanda? Because I was thinking of you two and trying to, you know, let our energies kind of sink so that we'd have a good flow today. And she said it was for both of us. And I said, okay, well, what is it about? And she said, it's about your journey um, of self-worth. And so I said, okay, well, what message do you have? And she said, dear Megan and Amanda, your self-worth struggles are part of your journey. You have come so far and grown tremendously. Don't forget where you were. Show compassion for those who are like you. Show them the way. You are leaders and trailblazers on the path to self-love and mastery. Never forget the work you've done and don't allow anyone or anything to hold you back from your divine purpose. You are loved and supported beyond measure. I'm holding your inner child in your wounded pieces. They are beautiful. They have taught you so much and have given you strength. I love that. I know. I was like. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. You're welcome. I, so, and you can use this in the podcast if you want, but something that's happened for me very recently is that my clear audience has always been my weakest clear and it turned all the way on like a month ago to the point where I would wake up in the morning and hear like, good morning in my head. And then they'd be like, it's time to get up. Your alarm's going to go off. And then my alarm would go off. Like it was crazy. <laughs> and then it, it was like that for like two weeks. And then it turned off. Yeah. And all, all of my gifts have been turned down. Yeah. Maybe it's just kind of, um, I don't know. Maybe it's like you kind of have turned them down a little bit. So but I'm going to tell you why. Okay. <laughs> And it ties in with the self-worth stuff. My, my biggest core wound is lack of self-worth. And I have a feeling it's past life stuff. Like, I don't think it's from this lifetime. I think I'm supposed to be working through that to make up for not working through it before. And so I'm like working through all of this stuff now. And they were like, we're going to turn this down so that you can start to trust yourself. Okay. That makes and, sense. And stop relying on us to guide you and you can kind of find your own compass and start to tap into your own sense of trust and self-worth. And so because of that, I've been like stepping out of my comfort zone and I feel like it's starting to come back on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's, you know, pro that makes a lot of sense. I know mine's related to this lifetime and also ancestral stuff and past lifetimes. I did a past life regression with my friend Katish and, um, you know, I went back into a Native American pastime where I was half Native and half uh, white, but my, my, um, my leader, the leader had taken me in. I was an orphan because my, my parents had passed, like they had died in some kind of, I don't, I don't, we didn't really dig too deep into like that part of it, but they had died. And so he took me in as kind of like his and took a lot of the orphans in. And um, what happened was his daughter, his actual biological daughter was really, really close to me. And she was like a little sister of mine and she was killed by, by white people that had invaded our tribe. And I just like, I blamed myself because I was part white and I hated myself for it. So that played a part into it. And 
then, you know, growing up, just not getting the love and support that I needed from my parents just taught me that, you know, I wasn't worth what I needed then. And so kind of all of that intertwined and mixed in. I'm sure there's other past lives out there too that play a part in it, but I know it's definitely a big part of my journey. Yeah, and I think that that's probably why we're brought together in this way. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think that Gabrielle definitely confirmed that when her message was about self-worth. <laughs> in top of mind for a while so I probably will just include this in the podcast since we've already just jumped in and (laughs) started talking about pretty good stuff I think it's really important for coaches leaders within any space to share their own story and not just their successes because there's I was talking about this with someone before is failure really failure, right? I don't think so. Like so much can be learned from failure and you have to really ask yourself, like how do you define failure? If, if you define it as not getting, not getting the outcome that you anticipated, not doing it in the time frame that you anticipated, um, like is it really failure if you keep going and you keep trying and maybe you're just being led in a different path and doesn't mean it's failure, it just, you're being redirected. You know what I mean? Like there's so many ways to look at it. And, um, and so I, I, I think it's really important for me to be open and to lead with vulnerability. And I feel like that then gives other people the permission to then also be vulnerable. And that's a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. I don't think that, I think that failure is, is looked at differently you know um it's a it's a moment to grow it's a growing opportunity it's a way for you to learn how to really maximize your own personal gifts and your own skills so that you can really step into your truth and you know take that aligned action yeah I would also argue like is it the idea of failure that you're avoiding or afraid of, or is it what you're associating with failure based on a past experience that you've had, which is like one layer deeper, right? Like if you experienced a perceived failure and you were met with shame, judgment, and you felt alone and isolated, then all you're doing is you're avoiding that feeling again. Or if you were not allowed to fail, then the fear of failure is potentially receiving judgment and shame and then feeling alone and isolated. So it's not the act of failing, it's the, the, the emotions that come with the failure yeah. that probably um, creates the discomfort around the idea of failure. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I know like with my own you know, personal work that I've done around failure and my self-worth that they're linked so closely together because it's you know how we feel about ourselves in moments where we do mess up or moments when we're not our best selves and it's how this it's really more about the shame and the judgment that we put on ourselves than what other people put on us and so I always have to ask myself when I'm in that kind of situation is if this was you know a dear friend of mine would I shame them would I judge them or would I help them stand up and tell them, hey, it's just a setback. You'll you'll get, you know, where you're going. You'll you'll do great next time or 
you know, keep going. I would probably give them that advice. So I need to give myself that same advice and that same compassion. But we were so hard on ourselves, especially when we have that, that um, problem with like self-worth and really uh, loving ourselves. And it does come from past experiences, from our childhood, past lives, all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really what it comes down to is what core wound is being picked at, right? It's not really the failure. It's what does the failure mean about, what am I making the failure mean about me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Have you heard of the universal fears? Uh, like the core needs? Yeah, like um, uh, abandonment. Uh, rejection and fraud and fraud yeah so I love looking at those and kind of associating it with what I'm feeling because I have fear of rejection big time like so afraid that I'm just going to be rejected and outcast which is really funny because I pretty much have been rejected (laughs) you know I've always been different I've always been the oddball I've always been the black sheep of my family so it's you would think that I would just be used to it by now but it's it's such a core fear of mine. Um, so a lot of times that operates those emotions that come up when I think I'm going to mess up or I am messing up or I made a mistake. You know, it's, oh gosh, who's going to reject me? Who's not going to accept me? And then also fear of abandonment comes up a lot for me as well, um, especially with people that I'm really close with because it's like if I make a mistake or if I mess up, well, then they're, they're not going to love me anymore. They're not going to care about me. They're going to abandon me. And so I have to really like sit with that and work through that and, and tell myself, you know, do I really, really believe this? Like, is this true or is this fear? Because truth and fear are not the same thing, you know, like it's, your mind will play so many tricks on you making, to make, to keep you safe, you know, it's trying to keep you safe, but it, it also will hold you back too. So this is the stuff that like, I love getting into. This is the work that I do with clients. And I would love to know, how do you, when you talk about working through that, how do you do that? And how were you taught to do that? And what does that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, if I notice that I'm triggered, I've got some kind of emotion coming up. I usually first try to pinpoint what it is. It's always, it's almost always fear of something you know, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of failure. It's always something. And fear is something that I let control my life for a really, really, really long time. And so I'll just let myself sit with it until I'm ready to start kind of digging deeper into it. And once I start digging deeper, I start asking myself these questions. If I fail or if I mess up or if I make a mistake, what is the worst that's going to happen? Do I really think that everyone's going to reject me? Do I really think that people are going to leave me or abandon me? Do I think that makes me less of a person? Does that take away, you know, all the good things about me? And when I start really putting perspective on those, those types of scenarios, it can make me really open my eyes to realizing that it's not true. It's all, it's all fake and it's all just illusions that my ego is putting out there to protect me. It wants to keep me safe. So you're poking holes in the belief system that the fear has created. Yep. Okay. I love that. That's, that's so much of the work that I do. And I feel like 
What really changed the game for me was when I started to look at everything through the lens of energy, right? Like everything's energy, right? Like this computer's energy, this table's energy, I'm energy, your energy. And if that's the case, then our thoughts are energy and our emotions are energy, right? Mm -hmm. But growing up, we're conditioned to feel that some feelings are good and some feelings are bad, right? We're allowed to feel happy and excited and joyful. We're not allowed to feel angry. We're not allowed to feel sad. You know, wipe your tears, cheer up. You know, it's not that bad, right? And so we start to compartmentalize our emotions into good and bad. And that's when we start to run into problems is when we don't allow ourselves to feel things because we associate them as bad. And that's when you develop coping mechanisms and all kinds of patterns that are kind of keeping you stuck in, in um, disempowering, disempowering places. But if you start to look at your feelings as just energy, like neutral, not good, not bad, just energy, then it makes it feel a little bit safer to feel those denser emotions like fear. And once you allow yourself to feel fear, it's not that scary anymore. The emotion can pass and it's gone. Yeah. It's not, a threat. it's not threatening. It's just, it's just energy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I yeah, love that. I, yeah, that, that's really helpful whenever you, whenever you just think of it, like you said, like energy and you can, you can shift out of it and you can shift into it at any point. And I also am a big, a big, big advocate of just letting yourself feel what comes up. Because like you said, when you don't let yourself feel the emotions, even the ones that we've been taught are bad, you know, they, they'll stick around longer when you can just let yourself sit with them and feel them and let them run their course, they'll pass and you'll feel a lot better. That's literally all that happens. And I think the fear, again, is that it won't go away. And then you'll start to feel more fear and more and more and it'll build and it'll build and you'll get like sucked into it. But that's just your brain fighting, feeling the fear. If you actually surrender to the feeling, it doesn't last for very long. Emotion passes within 90, it takes about 90 seconds for an emotion to pass. And if you think of everything in terms of energy, Energy can't be created nor destroyed, um, just passed from state to state, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to allow the emotion to pass through you. And that's how you can get rid of it, quote unquote. Otherwise, it'll just stay there. It'll percolate under the surface. Yep. Yep. That makes total sense. Yeah. So we just like jumped into this conversation yeah. without me doing any introduction <laughs> or anything like that. So it's juicy um, stuff. Yeah, it's been great. But would you maybe backtrack a little bit and tell us a little bit about about yourself, who you are and your your journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, just my life story. Yeah, just tell us all the juicy details. <laughs> well, um, to simplify things, I guess the, the easiest place to start is that I come from a fitness and health background. So I was a personal trainer and nutrition coach for 15 years. That's what I did. And I think the part of me that wanted to 
help people and be a healer and to um, be a quote unquote light worker kind of latched onto the health and fitness industry as a, as a, as a entry point for that type of work. And I thought that I could help people change their lives and become more confident in themselves and, and embrace their, their beautiful bodies the way they are through the work that I was doing. And so I did that for a very long time. And then recently I had this spiritual awakening and I started to find that fitness and health, although I love it, it, I, it started to not feel as aligned as it once did. And so recently I've made the transition from fitness. I'm actually going to be closing my gym. I, I have my own gym. It's what I've been, what I've been doing for the last three years is running um, my own gym. I'm closing it officially as of Labor Day. And I'm going full time into the work I'm doing now, which is called soul alignment coaching. Essentially, what it is is intuitive. Um, uh, what's the word? Intuitive um, life coaching. If, if you were to put it in a box, and it's my clients come to me when they're feeling stuck in their lives, where they want to move forward but they don't know how, or they're afraid to or they're stuck in disempowering patterns and they don't know how to get themselves out of them, or they're feeling kind of as though they've checked all the boxes, right? Where they went to school, they got an education, they got a job, they got married, they had kids and they, they did all the right things, but something still feels like it's missing in their life and they're not really sure why. And so we work together to move past these blocks or these questions that they're having, um, and I go about it in, in a few different ways. One is through mindset work and psychology and coaching. One is through somatic breath work. One is through energy work like Reiki, which I find is really helpful. Sometimes we have to release and block energetically in order to move forward and just working on it verbally is just not enough sometimes. And then I also, um, do a little bit of psychic re reading type of work. And I think the difference with what I'm doing compared to life coaching is that I take kind of a zoomed out approach to everything where rather than looking at it through the lens of just this lifetime, I like to zoom out a little bit and look at things in terms of your soul and your soul journey through all lifetimes. And yes, you're learning a lesson through perhaps the struggles and challenges you're currently facing, but why? Like on a soul level, why are you meant to work through that? And what does that mean for you from a soul perspective? And is this part of karma that you brought in from another lifetime? Or is that just something that you're working through in this lifetime? And I think when you look at it through that lens, it's just more exciting. It doesn't feel as stressful and um, it just kind of shifts the perspective a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that actually. And it sounds like exactly what I did for myself when I had my awakening, you know, I started pulling out all of these little pieces of, of myself and saying, you know, this is why I operate this way. And this is why I operate that way. And this is part of my soul here. And this is what makes me this way. And it's so, it's so helpful to really know that this is why you are here. This is why you are the way that you are. This is why you have these struggles. This is why you've chosen this path. 
everything just feels it becomes so connected and it it becomes just such a beautiful um like an epiphany to where you no longer feel bad about your shortcomings or the things that you've gone through or the things that have held you back or the things that might even still be holding you back because you know that it's all part of your divine plan that you chose as a soul. That's why I love it so much, right? It, it's a way for you to reclaim your power. Like these things aren't happening to me. They're happening for me because I wanted them to so that I could work on them and I could grow and evolve and step into a, a better version of, of me, a, a, a more expansive version of me. Like something that I really identify with that you were talking about on a previous episode about your, your growing up and, and um, your family's religious beliefs and, and that, that whole experience of your life. Mine is so similar to that. I used to be well, I, I grew up Jewish and I just, I didn't identify with it. I didn't identify with religion in general. And so I just pushed that all aside. And I said, I'm not going to believe in anything unless it's scientifically proven as fact. And that was my default. And as a result of that, I create, I developed a lot of anxiety and fear around the fact that I have one chance with a limited amount of time to get things right and to accomplish as much as I possibly could in a short amount of time, because when I die, that's it. My chance is over. And it just created so much anxiety. And then once I realized that that might not be true, and this is just one of many opportunities for me to have fun and create things and just see what I can accomplish. Wow. What a weight was lifted. So I, (laughs) It makes the fear not as strong too. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a completely different perspective of looking at life. And I told myself, even if this is not true, even if I'm a complete wacko, I feel better. And isn't that all that matters? Yeah. Yeah, I I went through that too. When I, when I had my awakening, I was like, oh my gosh, everyone is going to think that I'm insane. I think that I'm insane, you know, like, <laughs> I wasn't sure, like, what was going on with all this stuff, and I had to start coming out of the closet and telling people that I was close to, and thankfully, mo- you know, most of them were so supportive, but, oh my gosh, like, I- I've been there, and it's, it is, it's just so, um, it's so rewarding, but it's also, like, there's just this huge, like, weight lifted when you're able to finally just be yourself and accept that and not have all these, you know, restrictions and all these limiting beliefs hold you back anymore. That's why I came up with the name soul alignment coaching. People come to me and they think that the goal is to get what they want. And then once they get what they want, then they'll be happy finally, right? They'll be aligned. Mm. That's not really what it's about. It's about uncovering what your truth is and then feeling comfortable living in that. And once you can fully embrace who you really are and live from that place unapologetically, then that's alignment. 
that's soul alignment. And that's, that is where you will find peace, joy, happiness, confidence. It's not in achieving something or in getting something. It's in being something. Yes. Yes. I love that so much. And I've struggled with that, you know, myself where it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next step? What's the next thing I can do? And always chasing the next achievement or the next success and you'll never be happy. And that's actually what triggered my awakening is because I was just, I was achieving, achieving, achieving. And I mean, I was doing pretty good, you know, like I didn't have a bad life. I was in a good place. I had great friends. I, I was, you know, just a normal person, but I felt so unfulfilled. I felt so disconnected from myself and from everyone. And I didn't feel happy at all. And I, I was like, why? Why am I so unhappy? What What is wrong with me? You know, like there's nothing going on that should ever cause me to feel this depressed. And this was when I went into my dark night of the soul. And I started to realize that it's because nothing will ever make you happy that you can receive externally. There's nothing that you can ever do, achieve, get, that will give you that feeling of soul alignment. Yeah, I think that this is where the self-worth piece comes in for me. My story is kind of similar to yours, but manifested in a different way where I am a high achiever as well. Like I, because my, I try to find my self-worth in things outside of me. That's my pattern. So if I can achieve this and be really good at it, I'll feel worthy. Right. And so I would go from thing to thing and I would throw myself into it and I would work really, really hard. So I would feel worthy. And then the door would be slammed in my face. And I was like, okay, that's not the thing. Okay. I'm going to do this thing. And I would work really, really hard at it. And I would get really far. And then the door would slam into my face. And this would happen. Like there were so many cycles of this happening over and over again, where I would get really close to that thing that I wanted, that would give me all the happiness that I thought I was going to get from it and I would get right up to the door and it would slam in my face and for a long time I just figured that the world was against me <laughs> that I was a victim and in all that um, and then I realized no my guides were trying to redirect me from this pattern of searching for my worth outside of me it took me a long time to figure that out and once I did I was like Oh my God, no wonder. So now I, that's essentially is, is the work that I do with people. And, and they typically don't realize that when we start working together. But the, the truth is that it needs to come from within. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you won't find anything um, externally that will ever bring you, you know, true purpose and fulfillment until you're happy with, with yourself, like just being alone with yourself. Right. 100%. Yeah. And it's, and when you can finally truly feel that, man, is that liberating. It, and you start to feel so powerful and you start to realize, wow, I was allowing other people to dictate or other circumstances to dictate my happiness for so long. And all I needed to do was claim it for myself. Yeah. When you realize that everything you need is already within you, 
you have everything that you could ever need inside of you already, that's a really powerful realization. Yeah, that's, that's really, really, really important. Everyone should definitely work on just being, being you and being okay with it, like being alone, being present, being with yourself. There's actually like a meditation that I started doing recently where you, it's like you just sit with yourself and you plug your ears, you close your eyes and you close your mouth with your hands, like basically like this. <laughs> and you just sit there in darkness. And there's a lot of times where scary stuff will come up, but you have to face it. And until you face that part, the, the shadowy parts and the parts that you haven't accepted, you won't really ever feel that true joy. Well, that's what it is. It's, it's just, again, it, it's scary because we're, all, we're always thinking thoughts all day long, right? But just because you have a thought, it doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. So it's about recognizing, one, recognizing what your thoughts are, and then being able to differentiate from, you know, which thoughts are truth and which aren't, which I feel like is learning how to differentiate your ego from your higher self. Is yeah. what that is. And that takes a lot of undoing of conditioning in order to be able to do that. Cause a lot of the thoughts we have are based on the conditioning from what we were taught or the experiences that we've had. So there is like an evolutionary process to this, but once you can do that, you're free, you're free of it. Yeah. So when you're, when you notice that like you have fear creeping in or your self-worth is being tested um, or you're, you know, not really truly being yourself you're not in alignment what are some things that you do to kind of check yourself and get back to where you need to be yeah there's a process the biggest thing that I realize and I can take you through the steps that I use and that I use with clients but the big like overarching kind of theme that I've noticed is that the energy behind your thoughts is different depending on where it's coming from so your ego thoughts which is like fear, shame, guilt, blame, lower vibrational energy, usually um, coming from conditioning or past experiences, it's going to feel and sound different in your head from your higher self, your soul self, your intuition, your truth. So your ego let's use fear as an example. It's like you mentioned earlier, it's just trying to keep you safe, right? Because maybe there was a past experience where you felt afraid and it was uncomfortable to feel that you were taught that fear is is a bad emotion, right? So there's some stigma associated with it. And so the ego is just trying to protect you from feeling that again. And so it's going to start screaming at you with desperation. Don't do this thing. You're going to feel afraid. The worst stuff is going to happen and it's it's scary, right? And so there's like an energy behind the thought that's desperate and it's kind of like screaming at you. Whereas your intuition or your soul self, it's like very level-headed, it's direct, but it's like right here, it's soft. It doesn't have to scream at you. It doesn't have to convince you of anything because it knows it's true. So we have to kind of peel away all of the ego screaming at you in order to hear your higher self, your intuition. 
So that's really how I explain what, what, it's, what is actually happening when you're starting to differentiate the thoughts. And the fear and ego that you're hearing, usually it's subconscious. So the first step is to bring it into conscious awareness. And then the second step is typically you're identifying with the thought that's creating the fear. So the next step is separating the thought from your reality and not identifying with it as truth anymore. You following me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like the first step, for example, is if we're, if we're, we, if we know that we're working with fear and fear is the thing that's blocking you, then I usually ask two questions. One, what are the things that you're doing to avoid feeling fear? And then what are the things that you're not doing to avoid feeling fear? And then you can start identifying where fear is stopping you from moving forward. Right? Well, okay. so for me, as an example, when I started my, my business, I didn't want to post, I, and I know you can identify with this. I chose a name for my business that didn't have my actual name in it. And then I posted on social media without pictures of me. I used stock photos. So I wasn't identifying my face with my brand. And I was doing that out of fear. So what I was doing was I was not posting my name or my face online. And what I was doing was I was avoiding posting my name and my face online. So I was doing one and the other at the same time. I was also not going out into the public and going to networking events or going to other businesses for partnerships because I was afraid. So I was not putting myself out there in person. I was hiding behind my computer. So I was both doing things and not doing things to avoid feeling fear. So that's the first step. So the next step is, asking yourself, what would I need to be believing or thinking in order to be feeling this fear? And that really gets to the root of what is causing the fear. And for me, it was rejection, which we've talked about already, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was afraid that if I put my name out there and I put my face out there, people were going to make fun of me. People were going to shame me. Someone was going to come out and tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. Someone was going to follow my advice and then something would go terribly wrong. Like all of these narratives. And then um, you can do one of two things from this place. You can do that somatic, a somatic breathing exercise, which can be extremely powerful, which is feeling the fear and allowing the fear to pass. And then once the fear passes, then you can hear your truth, which is your higher self speaking to you. A lot of people I find have been suppressing their emotions for so long that they're unable to, um, to allow themselves to, to go there. So sometimes we can't do that until a little bit later down the line. Um, so what I would do is inquiry around the thoughts that are causing me fear. And I would start to poke holes in the belief system and question it, which we've talked about. It's kind of like all the same stuff. So if my thought is, if I put myself out there and I will be rejected, then I start asking myself, is that true? How do I know it's true? What happens when I believe that thought? How do I treat myself? How do I treat other people? 
Um, what do I do or not do as a byproduct of that thought? And just start listing them. And then from there, I can separate the fear from the truth. So just yeah. kind of two, two ways to go about it. Yeah, I love all of that. That's um, all of that is so very helpful. And, and things that I do in my own, you know, personal journey when I, I notice fear and, you know, self-worth issues coming up, because even though, you know, I've done a lot of the work and you've done a lot of the work, it, it doesn't stop. You know, there's always room for improvement. There's always room to grow. And we're always going to have fear. It's, it's just part of our makeup. It, it's part of our ego. It's the ego's job. And the, but I have noticed that the more I work with my ego and the more that I kind of move through fear, it does change. It's not quite as loud as it used to be. Um, the stories aren't quite the same. The narratives change. And so you have to change with it and you have to learn what your new fears become and start poking holes in the new fears because the old ones you've already gotten rid of. I, I was literally going there next, right? Like you do this work, you start to poke hole in your fears and you start to differentiate like the perceived truth, which is the ego from the actual truth, which is your higher self. And then from that place, you kind of have to take action, right? Even if it's just like a small, tiny, like baby step and the fear is not going to go away. It's still going to be there. You've identified it and poked holes in it, but it's not going to go anywhere. But then the more tiny little actions that you take, the fear kind of like settles down a little bit and it takes more and more to bring it on. Like your nervous system kind of adapts to it a little bit. So the analogy I like to use is like fear was driving the car before and preventing you from moving forward. And now it's in the backseat. So it's still kind of yelling at you, but it's not as loud and it's not keeping you stuck you're able to move forward and you're hearing it, you're just kind of ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like now you have, once you get used to it, once you get used to calling out your fear and calling out your ego, um, you have this awareness that is just there around it now. And you can be aware that that's what's operating. Um, that's what's driving you. And I do it, you know, all the time where I know that I'll be in a fear state. I know that my ego is screaming at me and I'm, I may still be frozen. Like I may still not make a step, but cause I'm still in that stage where I'm, I'm listening and I'm allowing myself to feel it, but I'm still aware that that's what it is, that it's not truth. And it, and it takes time, you know, to get to that point. But it's like you said, it's, it's there now. It's like, you know, that it's not real. So that while you're working through that fear and while you're actually doing the work this time, you, you can get to your result faster. Yeah, this is where self-compassion comes in. Yeah. Being compassionate with yourself in this process and that some things are gonna be easier for you than others, right? And what causes one person fear is not gonna cause another person fear and vice versa. And this is just the thing that does and you're working on it and it might be slower than you'd like it to be and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to go at the pace that you're going and there's nothing inherently wrong or bad about that. It's just yeah. where you are in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this reminds me of a time where 
so my children, um, I'm not with their father anymore, um, but we're, we're close. We um, co-parent and he actually moved to where I live a couple years ago. And when he first moved back, um, the kids went and stayed with him for a really long time. And I was, I, I was tripping. I was like panicking. I was sitting there feeling abandoned. I was crying every day. I mean, I was just beside myself. But at the same time, while I let myself feel scared and I let myself feel abandoned, I knew that it wasn't true. I knew that it was just my conditioning and my limiting beliefs bubbling up and causing me to be triggered and to have these emotions. So I just let myself feel them and would self-soothe and, you know, would do breath work, like you said, and would meditate and do things to calm myself down and, um, when it got really bad, but I just let myself, just let myself be, and I would journal it out, and I, after um, a couple of days, it went away, and I didn't feel that way anymore. That's, that's exactly what you needed, like, so many people don't take the time to feel it, because it's not comfortable to feel it, so they shove it down, and then it doesn't go anywhere, it stays there in your system, it's just energy that's lingering under the surface, and then they develop disempowering coping mechanisms. Like, but when I was working in fitness for, for my clients, it was food. And anytime they would feel that whatever emotion it was bubble up, they would reach for food to distract them from feeling it. And all they really had to do was feel it. And then it goes away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. It's just energy. Yeah. And it's baby steps too. Like you're not going to be able to feel it all at one time. You're not going to be able to take it all on, especially if you've been sucking down your feelings for a long time, or you have a lot of things that you need to unpack, but it's, it's just one step at a time, you know, be aware of one feeling of one emotion of one thought and work there. And then slowly you can move on to another thing and to another thing. And it's going to come back up. And sometimes you might backslide and, you know, you may not, do exactly what you know you need to do and that's okay but you'll get to where you need to be as long as you keep putting in the work and as long as you keep um being aware of actually what it is that you're thinking and how you're reacting to it yeah and this is where I would you know remind myself that this is why I'm here my soul wants to to go through this process so I can heal and I can expand beyond this experience. So I chose on some level to have this experience so that I can learn from it. And I'm not a victim, it's not happening to me. It's a learning, it's a growth and learning experience. And I'm going to give myself compassion as I work through it. Yeah, I love that. Have you noticed that um, since you've started doing this kind of work on yourself that you've actually healed people around you like maybe family members or anything like that that is a really interesting question it just kind of popped in because I I noticed that that people that I'm you know close to that it's like they can I don't have to do anything you know like I don't have to try to explain things to them or try to get them to do the work but it's just it's like it happens naturally since I've done the work they start to kind of do the work themselves or they start to heal in other ways that is such an interesting question and observation. What I would say is, yes, I have, 
but I've noticed that people reach out to me more to ask me, not necessarily for advice, but to hold space for them. And they don't realize that's what they're asking me for. But I guess because I've been so vulnerable about my journey and in the work that I do with clients and I talk about it, they come to me when they're feeling something that they don't know how to work through. And because it's my job to hold space for people to work through quote unquote heavy things, I guess they feel more at ease coming to me versus a family member or a friend. And so I just let them talk and I just sit there and I listen. And usually that's all they need. Uh, sometimes they ask me for advice, but typically what they need is somebody to listen without judgment. Mm, yeah. Most of the time, that's what people need. They just, they just need to vent. They just need to get it out. And it's, it's a form of relief. So it is good. It's right. very good therapy. Um, you mentioned being vulnerable. Um, why do you think, in your opinion, why is it so hard for people sometimes to be vulnerable? What fear is usually being, you know, triggered there to um, make people feel like they can't really open up? The biggest thing I've noticed is, unfortunately, it comes back to um, how they were brought up, the environment in which they were brought up. They were told, stop crying, get over it, you know, wipe your tears away, cheer up, just smile, everything's going to be fine. And they weren't given an opportunity. They were labeling their family members or their guardians were labeling experiences as good and bad. And if a child is throwing a temper tantrum, that's bad. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to feel frustration. They're not allowed to feel anger. And so they grow up not feeling safe, feeling those things. That's, really what it comes down to. And really, unfortunately, like I still see it so often. If, if a small child is having a tough time, they, what they do is they'll take it out on the people around them because they don't know how else to express themselves. And so if your child is having a temper tantrum or creating problems on the playground, a lot of the time they're shamed for behaving that way rather than giving an opportunity to you know, say how they feel and why they feel that way. Um, so that's yeah. kind of, that's what I've noticed. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's so true. You know, we, we get used to, um, it's like, it goes into having a dysregulated nervous system where you're, you're feeling a certain way, you're triggered. So your system is just, you know, your nervous system becomes dysregulated, but then you, latch on to all of these ways to regulate that aren't healthy like all the coping mechanisms so if it's with a child you know you're going to give the child a pacifier you're going to give them a bottle a cookie you know tell them not to act that way shame them for acting that way and that's the way that I know our entire generation has been brought up you know we weren't taught to properly regulate our emotions and it's, it's so much easier than than what we were taught to do. You know, as long as you sit with it, you're gonna, you know, you'll regulate, you can regulate your emotions by brushing your teeth, okay? Like oh, brushing sure. your teeth will actually calm your nervous system, but instead, no, let's just cause an eating disorder where we're gonna give them a bunch of sugar every time they cry. So now every time I'm sad, I'm gonna run to the refrigerator. Really, that is really, <laughs> it's 
really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that if you peel back a layer even further, right, it all comes back to what about the child having a temper tantrum makes the parent or guardian uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. What belief systems are they telling themselves that it means about them? I'm a bad parent. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed that my child's behaving this way, right? Mm-hmm. How can I make them stop doing that thing that's making me uncomfortable because of the beliefs that I have about myself about that? Yeah. Yeah. It always comes back to fear. And that's helped me so much in my journey whenever I've been triggered or had any kind of emotion that I just couldn't really figure out. I know deep down that I'm afraid of something. I've just got to get to the root of what it is. And I feel like that's the same for everybody. And it's something is triggering you, but it's making you afraid. Are you afraid that someone's going to judge you? Are you afraid that someone's going to shame you? Are you afraid that Someone's going to make fun of you or someone's going to reject you or abandon you or not understand that it always comes back to fear. And I I like to ask myself this question, am I operating out of fear or am I operating out of love? It's always one or the other. Yeah. And I think normalizing fear, normalizing fear of judgment, fear of rejection you know, fear, fear, whatever is a good thing. Yeah. Once we can start normalizing it, we can all start talking about it and start, stop projecting our fears outwardly onto other people. And we can all start working on ourselves and, you know, rising as a, as a community. Mm. Yes. And back to your soul alignment coaching, you know, your soul chose these fears to to help it grow and develop so you know it all goes back to what your soul chose to learn and experience in this lifetime and if you think about it it's kind of beautiful very beautiful I think so right like you're coming here to go to school Mm -hmm. to learn (laughs) you know like it doesn't have to be doom and gloom all the time it can be a little you know, if anything that will take the levity out of it so that you can see it for what it really is, where it's like, oh, sometimes when you're, when you're in the thick of feeling something, it's like really drags you down. And if you can just like zoom out for a second and be like, oh, this is just like part of the experience I'm supposed to be having here. (laughs) It makes it feel like a little bit lighter in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you if you have any specials or anything like that that you want to talk about with your soul alignment coaching or anything else. Oh, I love this. Okay. Um, I offer a free coaching session for anyone that feels interested in, in exploring their soul on a deeper level. Anyone that wants to experience what coaching is like and what a coaching container feels like, what it feels like to be held through that sort of experience. Anyone that would like to start poking holes in their own belief systems, um, it's a full coach. It's what it really is. It's an example of, of a coaching experience with me. 
And so you can just go to my website, amandalaurenblau.com and go to services, soul alignment coaching. There's going to be a questionnaire there. You just fill it out, submit it. And then we can set up a time um, to talk together. That's awesome. I love that. And I'll put your links and everything in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited that we did this episode. We just skipped all over everything, but we know each other from um, a mediumship course that we did together that we, we connected and I connected to her fur baby. And it was just, it was so beautiful. Can I just say something really fast? Yeah. Okay. So we, yeah, we, we were, we both went to this mediumship program and Megan was so good. And I was like, oh my God, Megan is really good. <laughs> Megan, um, like one of my, one of my dogs came through for her and she knew right away that it was a dog. And, and m m so many um, psychics think that my animals are like, they come through as like human children, but they're, cause I view them as human children. So that's kind of the energy they're picking up on. But you knew, I feel like there was a part of you that knew exactly what you were picking up on. Either way, I was so impressed with Megan throughout this whole course. And then I found out it was your very first <laughs> time ever doing any type of mediumship work. And it wasn't not mine. I had already done a course before. I was blown away by that. And she didn't explain what to do, right? She just like threw us in there and was like, okay, you're going to do mediumship now. Like there was no direction. Yeah, I was really nervous. I was in a lot of fear during this course, but I kept putting myself out there because I knew that it was fear that was holding me back. And I thought, if I don't put myself out there, then I won't learn and I won't grow. And so I kept doing it and it really paid off. And, um, you know, connecting with your with your dog was one of one of probably the most important um, lessons that I learned because. I knew that it wasn't a child, but it's like I couldn't, I didn't realize that it was a dog either. Like I just couldn't figure out what it was, but I knew something was different. And then a child did come through because the energies were so similar, but I could also tell they were different energies. Yeah. And so I was like, there's something more to this now. And so now because of that experience, actually my symbol for a dog that comes through is because of your dog, because it was that yellow stuffed animal. Every time I see a yellow stuffed animal and I feel the little tickles on my face, I know that it's a dog. <laughs> I love that. And I love that my dog was able to give you that. Yes. She was a special dog. Yeah, I love that so much. But thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me on today. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I have too. We'll have to do this again because, um, you know, we're definitely connected and we're on a very similar path so I think that we'll have a lot that we can continue to share with the collective absolutely thank you so much for listening to chasing spirituality you have no idea how much it really means to me to connect with you to have your support and just to be able to share my experience and my teachings with you while we're on this break from the podcast, make sure that you follow me on social media. I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook. And join the free Facebook group, Chasing Spirituality, so that we can stay in touch and we can connect.